Well, howdy, everyone. Yeah, what's up? What's up? Glad you're here. Good morning. Um, don't worry. Don't worry about the ice chest. There's nothing bad, and there's no beer in there. It's for my prop later, but it'll be good. Um, but I'm super glad uh, y'all are here. It was awesome just to walk to church today, and it was a lot cooler outside, so praise God for the uh, nice, cloudy overcastness. But uh, yeah, my name's Roger Jones. I've served here as a college intern at Grace Bible Church the past two years. I've actually been at the Southwood campus, and I finally got promoted to come to Anderson, so I'm really excited. Thank, uh, thank God for Trey Corey finally promoting me to the big boy campus, and uh, it's, really, it's really good to be here with you all. Um, I'm from Corpus Christi, graduated with a history degree in 2011, and uh, it's just been uh, next year I'm going to Greece um, to be go on stint with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. We're going to go tell the Greeks um, about the grace of God, and it's going to be really good. So that's a little bit about me. But uh, I'm going to be sharing the message with y'all today, and I'm uh, really excited. I think God's given me um, some good words to share. Before that, I have a few announcements to give to y'all. If you've not signed up for a growth group, it's not too late. You can still come. Um, We just barely started. We'd love for you to come, and we're studying the character of Peter, and it's been really, really refreshing so far. So please come, and you can sign up in the back um, at the end of the service. Our summer project teams are returning. Uh, Yesterday, the Greece team came back, they landed in America, so they're feeling the jet lag, and uh, the East Asia team and the Tradewinds team's coming today. So if you could be praying for them, that would be really awesome. Um, They're going to have some serious jet lag, and they're going to have some serious culture shock. Oh my gosh, America, I'm back. Um, So please be praying for them, that would be really great. So let's pray, and uh, we'll get started. Gracious Lord, I'm just uh, so humbled um, by your mercy, I'm so humbled by your grace. And God, I'm just super thankful for this opportunity to come share today, God. I don't have great words to share, but Lord, I pray that you would make them alive by your Spirit. Lord, fill me and uh, speak through me, Lord. I pray that these words um, about your character would just touch the hearts of these students today, God. Um, Lord, I just lift up our um, Tradewinds team and uh, our East Asia team and our Greece team, team as well, that you would just keep them safe as they're traveling back to their homes. And I pray that you just give them great rest, help them have refreshing times in the Word, help them process well. And uh, God, we thank you. We thank you for today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, uh, summertime is a sweet time for many. It brings back a lot of memories for me of my early childhood years and my teenage years. And I had the opportunity to go to a camp, a Christian summer camp called Laity Lodge Youth Camp. And it's not Lady Lodge. I didn't go to a women's camp. Um, they're definitely a, it was definitely a co-ed Christian camp. And it's in the Texas Hill Country, and it's a really, really awesome place. And uh, one such summer, the directors of the camp decided to split the girls and guys for the day. It was split day. And this either meant incredible news, or this meant horrible news, really bad news. Incredible news would mean you'd get juicy ribeyes, um, fresh from the grill, perfectly cooked. You get to play dodgeball with tennis balls and really peg people. And you get to watch uh, a movie like Hook. And uh, it was really awesome. You get to wake up the next morning refreshed, coffee, cereal, everything. Get to watch some cartoons. Horrible news would mean you get to go to Backside. And Backside was on the other side of the property. It was a dusty, dried-up creek bed with huge canvas tents that would house the campers. And they would feed you this really ominous chili that would certainly make you sick and give you the runs. It was just awful, awful time. And the best part is that they would make you hike there. The miles there in that 100-degree heat, and you would be forced to walk there. And uh, that summer, the guys got chosen. And as we filled up our canteens, filled up our water bottles, the girls pointed and laughed at us. Ha, 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 you have to go to backside today. And uh, I probably would have done the same thing to them. But we, were, we pressed on, we marched on, and we were not thankful 
for what had fallen upon us. And upon arrival that particular year, um, the typical scene was upon us. The cooks were handing out the ominous chili ingredients. The younger boys were throwing stones at each other, which, by the way, is a really fun game to play when you're really little because you can't aim yet. But when you get older, boys who play baseball, they can really hurt people. And kids got hurt out there. And you hear kids just say, medic, medic, we need people out here. Come help me, I'm bleeding. And uh, the group of friends and I, we didn't like the scene that was upon us. We weren't excited. We didn't want to be there that day. And we asked our counselor if we could go to this scenic vista about a half a mile away. And we pressed him, and he said no. We pushed him a little bit harder. Can we go to the scenic vista? Come on, counselor, let's do this. And he said no. But this didn't thwart our plan. We decided to go for it, and we ran. We ran from our, kent. We ran from our tent. We ran up the hill from the, through the barrage of the younger boys' rocks through our counselor shouting, come back, come back. We ran and ran and ran, and we felt so free because we were away from this control. We were free from all this director's control. We were free from the staff. But as we just thought we got away, we were astonished to see another counselor from a different path going to the same scenic vista we were headed to. And we're like, what do we do? We're going to get caught. We're going to get caught. And uh, so we decided to try and trick him. We decided to help him, ask him to help us in our ploy. And uh, he listened, and we thought we had him good. We thought he was going to be on our side. We were going to come back to the backside later. We weren't going to get in trouble. And uh, we looked upon the scenic vista that day and just felt good. We were like, man, we're free. We're going to be all right. We're not going to get in trouble. And uh, to describe this vista that we ran to, imagine just a massive Texas country, hill country hill, and just cut in half, and there's a sheer cliff, and you can see for miles and miles around. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. The beauty of the lands and the Freer River snaking through made it for a really breathtaking sight. And soon after that, we had our moment. Um, we headed back to backside. And uh, thinking all would be well, we arrived, and my heart began to sink. Oh, no. The director of the camp, my older brother who was on staff, and the counselor we completely disobeyed were waiting for us. And uh, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. The director was a man who stood about six foot three, um, weighed about 230, 250 pounds of muscle. Not just a big guy. He's super jacked. Played linebacker in college and ate people at the line of scrimmage. He destroyed people. And uh, we were... We just approached him, we shared our, our stories, and we straight up lied to his face. And the, direct, or the counselor we thought we had tricked, he spoke truthfully to the director, and then the director spoke his words to us. And uh, man, it was so intimidating to hear his words to us. And uh, it wasn't because all of his massive strength and his massive muscle, it was because he's one of the kindest, most gentlest, most gracious men you could ever meet. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And he told us our discipline and uh, he dismissed us back to our cabin to eat the chili. And uh, that day at Backside, I, I, we couldn't get away from Lady Lodge Youth Camp staff. We cannot run away. They were everywhere. And uh, this morning, we're going to explore and learn about another incredible attribute of God, and that's God's omnipresence. What does omnipresence mean? Omni means all or of all things, and uh, present means, you know that one, here or next to you. When we say God is omnipresent, he is always with us. He is near. He is everywhere. And this attribute of God is something the American church needs to hear. And we need to start believing in it again. I don't think we believe that God is always with us. We may think he's up in heaven, but here with us? I'm not so sure. Is God really here with us? So today we're going to look at David's words, David who slew Goliath, of how he intimately he viewed God's presence in his own life. And we're going to gain practical truths from God's words so we can trust and know that God is always with us. So if you can turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139, 
That'd be really awesome. If you've never opened up a Bible before, you can just get your thumbs and do it right in the middle and break apart, and boom, you're in Psalms. And um, Psalm 139, and we're going to start in verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. And surely your right hand will lay hold of me. And if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is bright as the day. Darkness and light are light to you. In Psalm 139, David meditates on God's attributes. Verses 1 through 6, David talks about God's omniscience, which means he's all-knowing. Verses 7 through 12, he talks about God's omnipresence, that he is here, he's everywhere with us. In verses 13 through 18, it talks about God and being omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. Um, perhaps the psalm was written when David was running from King Saul, and there's some evidence supporting that. But today we're going to focus our time on this attribute of God, God's omnipresence, that he's always with us. So look with me again at verse 7. It says, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? That leads us to our first point, is that God's presence is something we cannot escape. Have you ever asked those questions before? Or perhaps have you ever tried to run from God? I sure tried. Maybe you're running from God right now. David tells us that we cannot run from him. And I thought I could run away from the staff at Lady Lodge Youth Camp, but I couldn't. How much harder do you think it would be to run from God? I ran from God in college because I was scared of the calling he put on me to do vocational ministry. I told God, you can have my whole life later. I'm going to work on stuff by myself. I don't need you. I know what I'm doing. My horrible pride got in my way, and God pressed on me like dogs chasing a beast, always pointing me to himself and to his plan for me, but yet I disregarded it for so long. And I didn't choose his plan for almost two years. And uh, God was there when I disobeyed. He was there when I felt lonely. He was there when I cried, and he was there when I sinned. Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-four says, Can a man hide himself from the hiding places so I do not see him? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? God is near. He is everywhere. This does not mean that God is pantheistic like our Hindu friends believe about their gods. Um, pantheism means that God is in everything. So imagine the chair you're sitting on, God is there. God is in that chair. This podium right here, God is right here. He's not. Um, our God in Christianity, God is everywhere. He's distinct from his creation, and he is always near. God is always near to the unbeliever and the believer, to the lost and the saved. But especially it is true for us who are Christians because we have the Spirit of God inside of us. God can see everything we do, the good and the bad, and we're going to be judged for it at the end of days. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God with your body. David goes on to write in verses 8 and 9, If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, you are there. God's presence is something we cannot escape. And David, in verses 8 and 9, gives imagery of opposite ends of the spectrum. God is in heaven. He's in Sheol. He's everywhere. We can't, we can't escape him. And if uh, he, David takes off at the, the speed of light, that's what the wings of the dawn, if he takes off the speed of light, or he goes to the remotest part of the sea, the deepest part of the ocean, God is there. And you guys may be, you may be one of the most servant-hearted, kindest Aggies on campus. You may be so um, 
got your stuff sewed together that um, you were you were doing good, and God is with you. God is with you. You may be in the muck of this world. You may be in the sin of this world. You may be having a hard time. Can I encourage you? God is with you. A couple weeks ago, Trey Corey, our college pastor, did a sermon on the hell and holiness of God. And man alive, understanding that truth is hard for us, that people are going to receive eternal punishment for not knowing the name of Jesus as their Savior. It's tough. You might be thinking it's not fair. It's not fair. And you're so right. It's not fair because we deserve punishment so much worse than that. We, mankind is beyond broken. We've disobeyed God all this time. We were running from him all the time. And uh, he knows what we do. He can see everything because he is with us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says, There is none righteous, not even one. And in verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mankind is separate from that intimate presence of God. At birth, all men and women are born into sin. Our God is righteous and true, and he must hold to his character. He must. And I'm grateful that we serve a God who is consistent to his character, that he holds to his attributes. He must hold to his character. Now, I want to make an important distinction. There's a major difference between God being present with everyone and God being in a relationship. Um, Everyone, God is near. But being in a relationship, God is not always with everyone. And, uh, but God wants to be in a relationship with all of us. We are his kids. We are his children. He wants to be in a relationship. And uh, this past Easter uh, weekend, my partner Katie and I led some of our students to Austin for a day of evangelism. It was really fun. We got to go to South Congress, eat from the food trucks there, and we um, broke off into pairs, girls and guys. We went and shared Christ to the to people of Austin. And it was really great. We got to share the gospel to many people. And upon arriving and upon talking to people, we learned that the 50th annual Atheists of America convention was being held. Well, oh my gosh, <laughs> were we ready for that? I wasn't sure. Could we handle their arguments? And uh, the Spirit of God led my partner and me to one of those men who was there, a man who was in his 30s. And we talked and debated for a good 30 minutes or so, and ranging from different arguments about God. And there was really no ground made. It was really just a standstill the whole time. And it was hard because he felt so... He felt so mad at God that he would throw people, he would cast people into hell. He thought that was just a horrible thing about our God. And it was just really tough to see his hard heart. But he, he shared something to us that I wanted to share with y'all. And this is what he said. He said, if God could send a sign from heaven to show that he is real, every atheist will believe. Ironically, that same weekend, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for that man in his sins. Jesus came down from heaven giving up his divine rights and lived among us. God became physically present in his creation. People touched Jesus. He healed the sick and fed the poor. He gave hope to a broken world. And uh, one of the, the great names that we call Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God loves his kids so much. In his grace, he came to save us. Can you believe our ancestors got to see Jesus? I'm so jealous. And someday we're going to get to see him. Those of us who are Christians, it's going to be incredible. And uh, Jacob last week did a masterful job uh, talking about the, God's attribute of forgiveness. And you can experience God's forgiveness right now through faith. If you, um, if you do not know the name of Jesus, if you want to start a relationship with God, you can do it right now by trusting in what Jesus did for you on the cross through his death and resurrection. Um, the song by Hillsong United called Scandal of Grace is so true. It's a scandal that we can experience God's grace. We don't deserve it, 
And uh, that grace is so attractive to this broken world. He wants us to know him. If you don't know the name of Jesus, your Savior, let this be the day. Let this be the day. So together we found out we cannot escape God's presence. That's because God wanted it to be that way. Which leads me to that second point is that God's presence is something we need. Verse 10, read with me. It says, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. We need him. That's the other truth. David recognized this too. The right hand of God would lead him and the same is true for us. Um, this past May, I had the opportunity to go to uh, the United Kingdom and Ireland, and uh, it rains there a lot. It's really cold, but you should go check it out. The British people are awesome. They say uh, a lot of really funny things. Um, but uh, there was one thing I was expecting to see, and that was sheep. I heard that there was a lot of sheep in the UK and Ireland. And uh, these are actually some sheep we saw. Uh, these were in Ireland in the Wicklow uh, National Park, and there's um, a ram and a ewe. Um, and there's three little lambs, so it's really cool. And the sheep are just everywhere. They're like cattle here in Texas. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but they have, they have these really cool tails, and they wag their tails, and they get happy. It's really cute, so they're just always wagging their tails. Um, but they were, they were everywhere, and it reminded me of another psalm that David wrote, and that's Psalm 23. And I'm going to read it to you, the first four verses. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. God is looking after us. A good shepherd will always be with his sheep. A bad shepherd will leave his sheep. We serve a good shepherd, and uh, his name is Jesus. And we were not meant to walk this life alone without God. God made us that way. And I struggled with, that, with this idea a lot in college. I really did is that God's word and following his word to a T was something I needed. I, I just really thought it would be no fun. It was just seemed like such a chore, and I didn't want to do it. As I said, God, as long as I don't go too far with this screw, it's going to be okay, right? What's one beer going to do? Like, is it really that big of a deal, even though I'm underage? I'm not going to get drunk. It's not that big of a deal. But I was looking at it the wrong way. Uh, I was worshiping myself and the things of this world. And uh, Christ's words and his ways are the best way for us to live here on earth. Following Jesus will bring you joy because he, you can know that he is always with you. Trials will come along the way, no doubt, whether you, you have Jesus in your life or not. But I would rather face the trials of this life with Jesus by my side than without him. Because if you walk by yourself, man, you're going to lead your life to destruction. We need him. We need God in our lives. We need his presence in our lives. So who is Lord over your life? You or God? God died for you. He died so he could know you. He wants to be present in your life. We owe him everything. When I was running from God, I wish I knew what I knew now, obviously. Um, those small vices were nothing compared to Jesus and his intimate presence in the relationship that I could have with him. I need him every day. He is not a crutch. He's my strength. He is not weak. Jesus is strong. He is my courage and my insecurities and my refuge when I'm weak. And this week, if you were following the news, a lot has happened. This was not a dry week in the news. A lot of big decisions were made in the government, a lot of hard decisions, a lot of tough things. And I think many of those decisions may have brought much discouragement to Christians. And uh, you're maybe thinking, where is God? Where is God? God has always been here. And our generation is going to face new challenges in, the, in our time. And we don't need to wallow in them, but we need to introduce Christ to our broken fellow Americans, just like someone shared Christ to us, because we're just as broken as everyone in this world. You're not better than them. And we can only do that by knowing that God is with us. We need him. We need to follow Jesus 
with everything. In A.W. Tozer's book, Knowledge of the Holy, he says this about God's omnipresence. The healing balm distilled from the garments of the enfolding presence cures our ills before they become fatal. The knowledge that we are never alone calms the troubled sea of our lives and speaks peace to our souls. You may be running from God. You shouldn't because you need him. God gives us a choice to follow him. We can run from him, but he's still right there with us every time. He will allow us to suffer if need be. And the story of the prodigal son is a great example. In the book Pure Desires um, by Ted Roberts, he describes the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 in New Light. And I want to share a paragraph of what he said. Um, He said this, I have always enjoyed picturing the scene in Luke 15 of the father running to the prodigal son, but not long ago, standing outside a village in Israel, I realized as never before the power of that scene. Previously, I had pictured the son walking up a long roadway to the father's huge farmhouse like a plantation in the Old South. Then I realized the story was set in in the cultural context of Palestine. The father's house was a part of a village, and as the sun came through the surrounding farmers' fields, the word spread. The whole village knew of the son's return. The father could allow the son to make the long, shame-filled walk to him, or he could sacrificially run to him. He chose the latter. When the father met the young man, he hugged and kissed his son. And the same is true for today. If you're running from God, man, God's going to take you back. He's gonna, he loves you so much. He cares for you. He wants to enfold his presence around you. And uh, that day at Lady Lodge Youth Camp, when we ran away, we were not thankful for what God had, uh, what the directors had given us and what God had let us down. Oftentimes we run away from God, I feel like, when we are not content with the provision that God has given us. Um, that's what Satan did to Adam and Eve. He deceived him to think that God's provision wasn't enough. And uh, man, don't listen to his lies. Don't listen to lies of Satan that he tells you that God's provision is not enough for you. God is enough. He is with us. He is better than the things of this world, and be thankful for what God has given you. And the directors that day did a great service to us young boys, because we were punks. We were punk kids, and they took us down this hard road to make us grow into young men, and I'm grateful for, for that day. And in reality, in hindsight, that day wasn't that bad. We actually got to see some beautiful mountains along the way, beautiful hills. The chili wasn't that bad. We turned out okay. We came back, and we had some great conversations with our, with our cabin. God leads us down paths that often don't seem the best at the beginning. And, uh, but he is good, and he wants our faith and reliance to grow in him. He is our great shepherd, and his right hand will lead us. So we've learned that God's presence is something we cannot escape, and God's presence is something we need. Finally, we need to recognize that God's presence is something we should treasure. Read with me in verses 11 and 12. It says, Surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are light to you. David is saying he's nervous about the dark. He's not sure if God's going to be there. Because more often than not, in the dark, robbers and bandits would come and attack and, and hurt them or steal. And he was nervous. But David also recognizes that the dark doesn't make it to where God can't see what he's doing. God is with him in the day, and he's also with him in the night, because the darkness and the light are light to God. Doesn't that bring you so much peace that God is with you in the night? I used to be terrified as a dark as a child. I thought aliens were going to come and take me from my house and do weird experiments on me. And uh, I remember hearing the, the gangsters just blare their subwoofers down our street, and I thought they were going to come shoot up our house. And I was so nervous. Uh, I had horrible dreams as a child. And I'd run to my parents' bed and just jump in there and sleep with them the whole night, or I'd jump in my brother's bed and sleep with them because I was so scared. I was so scared of the dark. 
But with this truth, you know, we know that God is with us and his presence is something we need. We should treasure his presence in our lives. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be alone. For those of us who are Christians, we have the Spirit inside of us. God is in us, the seal of our salvation. What a privilege, what a prize. Since we have been given such an incredible gift of his grace and the Spirit of inside of us, we should surrender our lives daily to him. I mean, he created you. You might as well let him lead your life. He's with you. You might as well let him, him take the lead. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a great passage on this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. God died for you and me, and we owe him our lives. After much running from God, I was tired. My sophomore year in college, I was tired of running from him. I was tired of just disobeying. I was tired of the sin. I was tired of the brokenness, brokenness in my life, and I surrendered. And uh, while wade fishing in Corpus Christi Bay, I prayed a simple prayer, God, you can have my life. At age nine, I gave Christ as my Savior. At age 21, Christ became Lord over my life. And uh, I felt such a peace and such a his presence around me. And I knew that that was one of the best decisions I could ever make. And I challenge you to make a similar decision if you haven't. If you're running from God, if you don't want him to take the lead, man, let him take um, lead in your life. And uh, God was so gracious too. Um, as I, after I prayed that prayer, I was still fishing. And uh, God let this really big school of redfish come in and I started catching them left and right, and it was really awesome. And I felt like God was like, man, that was a great decision, Roger. Um, keep it up. That was good. And uh, so I caught a lot of fish, had some good dinner, and it was, uh, it was a really fun time. Um, so every day since then, I've tried to surrender my life over to him. And every morning I try and pray, God, this is your day. Have your way in me. I surrender myself to you. We might as well let him lead us. We should treasure his presence. In the scriptures, it says to walk by the Spirit. What the heck does that mean? Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So, you may have been wondering what was in this ice chest that I brought up. So, we're going to do the, the physical uh, illustration right now. Um, I'm really excited to do this. Um, so, this is a pint of white milk from HEB, 2% reduced fat milk. Um, you guys may be 1% people. I'm, the, I'm a 1% people person. You may be a whole milk person. That's great. But this represents your life. This is you. This is somebody who's just a normal person. I'm going to do this as uh, gracefully as I can. I don't want to get this uh, all messy up here. But when we accept Christ, no, open up. Here we go. When we accept Christ, um, the Spirit of God resides in us. So I'm pouring the chocolate syrup. The chocolate syrup represents God's Spirit. Almost fell over. Here we go. And um, I want to ask you guys a question. Is this chocolate milk now? After I poured this chocolate syrup in there. No, but it has the potential to be chocolate milk. <laughs> now check this out. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, hold on one second, guys. All right, it's really light-colored chocolate milk, but, um, but the same is true for us as Christians. Um, if somebody wants this, you can have it later. I may, may drink it myself. It's pretty good, but... Um, the same is true for us. The Spirit of God resides in you. And uh, you need to surrender, give your life over the Spirit's control. And you can just do that simply by faith. Spirit, lead me. 
I want to be filled with your Spirit. God, lead me so I can walk by the Spirit. And when you're filled by the Spirit, you can have those incredibly tough conversations of sharing Christ with someone. He'll give you the courage. He'll give you the words to say. Um, he'll give you his peace and presence. And it's something you should do. And uh, look at that verse later tonight, Galatians 5.16. It's really powerful. It's really cool. And uh, check it out. Um, so I exhort you guys to, to start letting the God of the universe lead you. And you'll be well on your way um, to leading, living an impactful, meaningful college career. You may be jetting A&M right now pretty soon. You may graduate in August or December, or you may be about to start. But just know this, that God is with you. And uh, we shouldn't run from him because we need him. And because we need him, we should treasure him. So an application, I wanted to give you all three things. And uh, the first one is find a time to feast on God's word because it is alive and real. I've been reading through the whole Bible again this summer, and my goodness, it's been so awesome. It's been so good. I've never felt so in love with my God ever before in my life, and it's rejuvenating. Um, Find a good time. I know it's really hot outside, so maybe find a place in the AC, but uh, find a good spot in the morning or in the evening, whenever. Find a time just to read his word. There's a lot of good passages that can just be, that could fill your spirit and just make you Um, feel close to God and experience his presence. Second, pray like God is close. Oh no, another preacher is telling me to pray at the end of his message. I don't know how to pray. Um, Guess what? Neither do I. I'm still learning how. Um, It's a a huge challenge. Um, But being college students, you guys are being fed a lot of deceptive lives through watching TV and through just going to class, through your education. And the Western culture is an age of skepticism, and that's not new news. Um, But these... This is right here. These insights from A Praying Life by Paul Miller. He talks about the conflict that Christians have, that we want to be present with God. We want to know him. We come to church on Sundays. We want to do this. But we're trained from when we're little to have these really skeptical minds. And it's hard for us to imagine God being close to us. And uh, we, we just need to believe that God is with us. And uh, it's so tragic that we've separated God from the sciences. In the 18th century, um, Western scholars decided we didn't need God anymore. We didn't need God anymore. Uh, but in reality, God gave us the gift of science and academia. But in, so don't be hammered down by the doubts. Know that God is here. Talk to him like he's right next to you. Come to him like a child, and uh, you'll be blown away. Third, give thanks. God is present in your life. Be thankful that God is present in your life. He has not deserted you. Don't listen to the lies of Satan that God has not provided for you. God has given you life, and he wants you to live a life that brings glory to him. Um, This uh, past month, I've gotten back to a more consistent habit. Every night before I go to bed, I write five to ten things I'm thankful that God has brought in my life. I'm thankful for your grace, God. I'm thankful for your mercy. I'm thankful for this person I got to talk to. I'm thankful that I got to share the gospel with this person on this trip, and so on and so forth. And man, it has changed my heart. It's so good, and I challenge you guys to do the same. Thank God. Start that habit, and you will feel God's presence so much more in your life. And uh, I'm going to close this right now in prayer, but I want you guys to spend a few moments um, just by yourself, quiet, and just, um, and just thank God. And if you can't think of five things, that's okay. But if you can only just think of thank Him for one thing, just thank Him for His presence being in your life. God is with you. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for um, everything, Lord. Thank you for being present in our lives. I thank you for your unending love, and I thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. Um, Thank you for today, and I pray, Lord, that you just help us be thankful.
tell us things, remind us of things so we can be thankful, God. We love you and we trust you. In Christ's name, amen.